welcome. And who are you? I am Jan Waldron, which will start your next question. Um, because <laughs> uh, clearly, yeah. So I'm used to saying Jan, yep. right? Um, as that seems to be spelled that way. Yeah. You know? Um, unless you're Dutch. Dutch. Mm-hmm. Um, first, do you have a middle name? Michael. Michael, and yeah. that's that's what I thought it was when I when I saw that M in there. Um, can I tell you the story of yes. Jan Michael? Please, yes, please, please tell me this, this story so, about your name. So my mother always called me Jan, like like you just did, growing up. Mm-hmm. And all my life I asked her, why would you name a boy Jan? And she would always say, I think it's a perfectly fine name. My dad only called me Michael. So you kind of know where that came from and how that went. And then at the end of my mom's life, she got mm-hmm. dementia or Alzheimer's or whatever mm-hmm. and, and forgot who we all were. And on one of the last trips up to visit her, my brother, my brother Steve, mm-hmm. said, hey, Jan and Lauren are going to come up for a visit. Yeah. And she says, well, who's that? Who's Jan? She said, you know, your other, your other son, Jan. And she goes, well, who would name a boy Jan? So the clarity of Alzheimer's kind of, it came around that maybe that wasn't the, the, the right thing to do. So I said when I retired, I yeah. was going to officially always introduce myself as Jan. Jan. Jan okay. you know, I, I had to get a personal phone because I mm-hmm. didn't have one for the 45 years I worked. Wow, okay. And so on that answering machine, it says, hey, this Jan. is Jan Waldron. So people know me as both, and that's just fine. Okay. Jan Waldron. Okay. All right. Um, what kind of phone did you get? Uh, iPhone. Oh, you got it. Okay. Got yeah. An iPhone. Um, I've had just a ton for work. You know, we started with Blackberries. Actually, first work work phone was a Motorola, one of those handsets back oh, yeah. in mm-hmm. 1994. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I had bag phones, but um, I'm a I'm a big iPhone person. Okay, they're great devices. <laughs> I am a proponent of iPhones. Yeah. Um, but um, how did you get started riding? Oh, this is a good story. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, um, learned to ride in 1960. Okay in a church parking lot next to where we used to live and uh, parents got me a bike and uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't remember who taught me how to do it but they gave it to me and I figured it out okay nice. and then didn't think much about it we moved when I was 10 uh, to upstate New York okay and got a stingray banana seat single speed bike and I have uh, older brother and sister they're old enough they're another family okay and so when my younger sister and i came along mm-hmm. my parents had kind of already done the kid thing mm-hmm. so <clears throat> that bike was my ticket to freedom so me and my neighborhood buddies you know you had to get home by dark but yeah. i remember i remember driving riding that thing 15 20 miles to, to a lake and come back i mean we just did exploring and uh, and had all kind of fun on a single speed, and then that stopped. You get a little bit older, right. you know, get your <clears throat> become a teenager, and uh, that is not the thing to do. Mm-hmm. And then didn't have a bike till first year of college. I got a French Jetaine, yeah, and uh, used that just to ride that home and back. And then stepped away from biking, okay, uh, for decades, okay. Um, we, I got married young when I was 20 mm-hmm. and uh, did land development. We bought 
30 acres of land. Okay. Uh, built a barn, built sheds, built a 40-foot geodesic dome. To it took that up, yeah. eight years to build that, that okay. thing. Wait, wait. Um, the, the geodesic dome, because I saw in the notes that you put the Like, what did you end up using? Was that a living space? Or yeah, that became our home. Really? Yep. Yeah, we bought raw land. We moved a trailer onto it. We developed the land, sunk a well, brought power in, put a septic in, starting with a trailer. Yeah. And then um, it took it took eight years to build this thing. You know, it was two hundred forty five thousand pounds of material. Yeah. So it was a it was a project. It was an eight year project, and uh, we didn't have kids until we were married fifteen years. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. So that. All of a sudden, when you have kids, that kind of changes everything. It's like our club. Yeah. If you look at the people you ride with, yeah. they're either young pre-kids mm-hmm. or they're like me, they're old farts. Kids, yeah. uh, kids it's so hard to work in what we do right. when you're still raising kids. Right. And, kids uh, yeah. So to, you're, I'm getting to your question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a whole lot of time in okay. between there before um, I coached both girls. I was mm-hmm. a soccer coach for almost a dozen years for both girls, Okay, uh, which was great, but that was my sports. I worked, you know, like we worked too much, Yeah, and I coached soccer. Those are the only two things I had. When the younger, when Lindsay went to college, I needed something else, Okay, and uh, my neighbor said, hey, why don't you try bike riding? I used to, I had a mountain bike, and uh, actually we've had old mountain bikes 40 years, and I would just ride around neighborhoods, you know, kind of that social stuff, and I, I met a guy, and he he said, well, why don't you train? We'll do the cap to cap 50 mile together. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, so I said, sure, I can do that. Went out with him to, you know, Verina, did 35 miles, was beat. Yeah. Said, how are we going to do 50? <laughs> and you did this on the mountain bike. You did had. that on the mountain bike. It's an old jazz voltage. It was an okay. early Trek or something. You know, steel frame. Yeah. Uh, one and three quarter inch tires, rigid, um, heavy. Um, yeah. And we actually did a lot on that. My wife and I have matching. Okay. Trek nice. jazz voltage and uh, and then uh, so did that mm-hmm. and did the cap to cap and of course you know you do that right all of a sudden we're at mile 45 mm-hmm. and these cowboys come flying past us in a pace line yeah who yeah. had just done the century yeah you know and I'm I'm beat at mile 45 and and these guys go flying back and I say you know, I want, I want that. <laughs> I, I want to do that. And so I uh, went to Craigslist and uh, okay. found, a, found a used aluminum Trek. Okay. A whole lot lighter. Uh, came with shoes and clip-in pedals. Nice. So then, Goodbye. you know, kind of had to figure that out. So that was 2011, about okay. 2011. So that was the real reason when I started biking is about 2011. Okay. Because that, that then becomes serious biking. How long from you actually doing the cap to cap on the mountain mm-hmm. bike did you actually go out and have this, this trek? Like how, how long was that? How was that turnaround time from like, I just got, uh, I just that got past was, those guys. That was uh, probably four or five months Okay. Uh, to do that. They were just building 288. Okay. And so uh, uh, yeah. my neighbor and I, I took this steel mountain bike Mm -hmm. and we went out and we rode lux lane to the new 288 yeah it was closed so we Mm -hmm. rode up to the west end and it was great no traffic and it was just wonderful but i said you know i gotta get a lighter bike yeah and 
And so I found this one in, in Goochland. Mm -hmm. And I put, I probably put 4,000, 5,000 miles on that. On the um, on this um, this 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 track this, this aluminum this track, track. Okay. yeah track I think it's a track fifteen hundred is I think um, what it and is. that was a um, that was a, a road bike with drop bars yes okay. that's a road bike clip in pedals okay yeah um, Discovery series there was a, at that time like what was that two thousand seven or something Trek made a Discovery series okay. for the uh, Tour de France okay and so I actually have two of those one I've given to my daughter and the other one's in my trainer so my okay. so all the times you don't see me on yeah. my trainer it's that yeah. that Trek aluminum that sits in there <laughs> um, so you get this Trek um, you you know you put about four thousand miles you say you put about four thousand miles on it and, mm -hmm. I, and I'm trying to I guess I can't be re relate to the anyway. so um how does it go from there you get the trek you 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 after doing the cap to cap like what was what was the progression there so the cap to cap was this is fun doing group rides mm -hmm. you know the being in a peloton sharing the work yeah. is fun mm -hmm. and so someone must have had a rabba kit on yeah and so I started searching bike clubs, and of okay. course, you know, Rob is going to pop up. Yep. So I looked at the website. Yeah. I looked at rides, mm -hmm. and I said, "Okay, I'm I'm going to do this. I'm going to meet folks, see where they ride." Yeah. So consciously, I did twelve unique robber rides okay. in a row. Okay. Um, one of the first was with Deb Young okay. on a 103 degree day out of Ashland. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> I was the only one that showed up for that ride. Really? <laughs> yeah. She showed up. We, I think we met at a Hardee's and we went out and did a ride. Okay. And uh, she got a flat. And okay. we had enough stuff with us to fix it. Nice. Which okay. I had to kind of guess at that point. Okay. Um, but I'm fairly mechanical. So I okay. uh, got her fixed that. and went back. And then I did rides with like Emily Kimball mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> on the early parts of the trail. I did a lot from the south side, uh, Spring Creek. Who was out there? Um, Gary and Alan Lois. A, a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So it was one after another. Actually, I might have a cheat sheet about what those... Uh, what those were oh yeah Hugh Aaron used to do a Friday afternoon ride from the battlefield up okay. in Mechanicsville okay and so Gary Thabit and Hugh were always out there so okay. at that time they dropped me like a bad habit and uh, <clears throat> he would ride his tricycle and um, so do that then tried West Creek and then uh, did it, you as you were as you were doing these rides um, did you find like were you like, oh, this ride was awesome? Or like, was something standing out about doing these rides with these different groups? Were you just like, mm, I'll just try the next one and see how it feels? Like, I'll try the next one and see how it feels. Or were you like, this is awesome. I want to do this all. Like, how were you feeling uh, as you were doing these different rides kind of thing? If you, if you can recall. Everyone was an adventure. Okay. Um, I was meeting interesting people. Okay. Um, my story about cyclists is they're like those wooden... Russian nesting dolls. Okay. You can ride with someone for two years and you slowly figure out more things about them because there's That's not true. a lot of social time when you're right. when you're, you're riding, especially as you, yeah. you ride harder. Uh, I was new, so you know you're starting doing deep pace rides, mm -hmm. and so you're riding with Emily Kimball or <laughs> you know other people and figuring yeah. out, oh, 
oh, you know, I could ride a little harder than this. So maybe next time I'll try hopping with this person. Right. And so by doing doing these rides, one, you get stronger, and mm-hmm. two, you figure, hey, I'll I'll try this other ride and uh, see where I get dropped and all of that. Um, and so just the the breadth of the club was baffling. Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot about Ron Corio. Okay. Ron, do you know Ron? I you do may not. not. I don't. I don't think. Oh, I, I he he was a fixture. Okay. Um, and he did the Portobello Tuesday night ride. Okay. Um, it used to be the Portobello Tuesday night ride. Your name had to start with J to do that ride. We, <laughs> we, we, you know, there'd be a couple of dozen people and we'd stop and we'd have dinner afterwards. Okay. And it, I mean, literally eight people at the table. Yeah. Uh, John and Joan Bennett and mm-hmm. uh, um, Gene Minnick, just a ton of people were all named J. Um, started with Jay, so <laughs> that was kind of the joke of that. But um, and the the eat, you all would eat at the, at the Portobello. Or? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we would eat there and got to know the the waitresses, and it was a fun social thing to do. That doesn't really happen anymore. Yeah, I'm not um, heard of them staying after for that. For no, uh, Johnson. Oh, Johnson. Here's yeah. another yeah. one. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll order a pizza like during the ride or before the ride, and say, right. "I'll be back here at eight. So I need so. a pizza." Yeah, and uh, and do that and. Um, so that that really gave me good exposure to the club. Okay. And then from there, it let me pick rides that you know might have been a B pace ride, okay. and you could do that. Then you could meet more people, which I get accused of being a social rider because I am. But that's a benefit of starting mm-hmm. at a slow pace. Yeah. Right. You know, because it it gave me a chance to meet. Right, all the different pace people, mm-hmm. and and figure out something interesting about right. them. Um, yeah, because you're right. It, it, if you're going really fast, it is hard to socialize. It is hard to ask people questions or to talk about stuff, as opposed to if you're going at a slower, more manageable pace. Um, it is definitely easier to, to chit chat with people as you're riding. When I ride with my wife and her friends, mm-hmm. uh, we've got a we do bike and barge touring. Okay. And me and nine women, um, but that is social riding. Okay. So we get to do all that. I, uh, uh, you know, it's it's all about being a tourist and vacationing and yeah. talking while you ride and yeah. you average twelve miles an hour and that's that's just fine. And when we go out on the trail, you know, we'll do that as a group. Yeah. And that gives you a chance to get caught up. So yeah. that's learn a lot more about people more quickly. So you're doing these rides, and this is um, these twelve rides. So this is like uh, potentially still late 2011 or 2012, rough in there. In yeah, that then? probably is the beginning of 2012. Okay. Yeah. So 2012, you're doing these rides. Um, you know, meeting all the folks at Rabo. You know, doing the different rides, socializing. As I know you are, uh, or were rather. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you start thinking like you wanted to do stuff with the biking? Like, did you, or were you just, I'm just going to show up for the rides and I'm just going to just ride with the people and get to know them and like, just hang out with friends. Like, did you, like, how'd you, how'd you see riding as a thing for you? Like, um, it, it was fun events. Okay. And, um, and then, you know, there would be a meal afterwards Mm -hmm. real often there'd be a meal afterwards or a meal and a beer afterwards which you know you worked hard so you had a meal and beer so it was like it was perfect and then uh i did go to board meetings for a while to kind of see how that Mm -hmm. that worked and and uh you know once you meet 
Andrew Mann, you know, you're going to get pulled into uh, all of his shenanigans. Yeah, he's and, uh, that, uh, and then, you know, as a Yankee, you get called out when you say something stupid. I remember um, one of the first rides with Andrew, you know, we pull up to a stop sign and of course he'll say, hey, mustache, you got a name? <laughs> so you do that. And actually that same ride, the next stop sign I pulled up and it was uh, a road that I didn't know the pronunciation of. Okay. So I called it Mattapony. <laughs> okay. And, and I quickly got called out about not being from around here because when the Matta and the Po and the Nye River come together, mm-hmm. it becomes the Mattapanai. And uh, so, so you they could have cut you some slack on that. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. A little bit of dig is just a sign of love. <laughs> um, so you're socializing with everyone. You're doing the rides. Yeah. Um, well, that leads to bigger events, right? right? Okay. So all of a sudden, someone will say, you know, you want to do this. You know, and so now you're new. So mm-hmm. they say, I want to do a metric. Well, what on earth is a metric? <laughs> right. I understand the distance. And then someone said, well, it's 62 miles. So I said, well, I've done 50 and now I'm riding. You know, I can do that. Mm-hmm. And so you pick your group and you go off. And uh, it was a couple of years before I started figuring out, I think I need to do longer events and travel to events and yeah. things like that. Okay. Um did you have any events that like stuck out as you were riding? Like, was there was there anything you were like, I'm really looking forward to doing this particular event, or was it just you're just doing what the friends are doing? So right from the beginning was the cap to cap ride. Okay. Yeah. And after probably three or four cap to cap rides, I think the second year I did a century. Oh, you did? Okay. And they were so much fun. Yeah. Because you'd end up in a ridiculously large group. It would be 24 people. Yeah. And you're going 24, 25 miles an hour in a pace line whizzing, yeah. you know, down toward uh, Chickahominy. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just so much fun. Yeah. Just uh, <clears throat> eventually as you got a power meter and you could see what the power was. Right. And you say, wait, how can I be going this fast and working this easy? Yeah. And uh, so that, that really is a addictive uh, quality. Right. Um, and so the problem with the cap to cap, after like three years or four years, the first group always had a crash. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. There was, it just, it's probably two or three years in a row, there was a crash in that first group. And, mm-hmm. and so why is that? It, it's not that they're going fast, but it's that there's a mix of people that are able to go fast all day and everybody right. if you're just hanging uh, on, right right and so, the nose are going coming out too hot and so stick with having them. gone through a couple of crashes yeah. you get to be very aware of the people that are around you mm-hmm. and saying okay if somebody's on the bubble do i want to be at 95 percent? do i want to be on the bubble yeah and i know these guys around me are on the bubble that just means you're going to be sloppier yeah so it, that was the point i stopped Okay. Doing the cap to cap. And uh, another one that was great was early in, um, like right now, mid-April. Yeah. Actually, this coming weekend, I think, mm-hmm. would be the Powhatan Free Clinic ride. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you did the Powhatan Free the Clinic, ones, but yeah. the, what was notable mm-hmm. for a century, incredibly uh, well-stocked mm-hmm. and rolling terrain. Yeah. I think uh, less barely 3,000 foot of climb for mm-hmm. a century. Yeah. And at the halfway point, um, 
you got to stop in Painville. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still got an 11 by 17 poster of like Kirk Sweeney and me and yeah. uh, Ken and everybody by the Painville picture the sign, you yeah. know and and that became a thing to do on the powhatan free clinic ride mm-hmm. which was one of my favorites one it's early yeah so it, it, it used to be when you came out of winter mm-hmm. people were in winter shape they had right. they had beard up they had put on 15 pounds they were slow yeah. and so that ride you know because i ride all the time i ride year round yeah and so i just would feel great Okay. Could ride with you, everybody. You prepared, and uh, that that doesn't happen today. You go out on today's ride, everybody's trainered up and ready to go at the first ride. <laughs> that is that is true. Uh, the trainers have changed that dynamic. The the winter slump has you know, been lowered for many people. Um, I've done the Power Ten ride once. I mm-hmm. intended to do it. I think I did it in 2019. I okay. think I did the Power Ten ride in 2019. Oh, and the next year they canceled it. Right. And that was, <laughs> and that was it. Um, uh, and it did not come back, which is unfortunate. Because um, you're right. Because it was a local ride. Right. right? Um, for for I say a good cause, but to support yes. the, the Power Ten It was a good cause. Clinic. Yeah, it really. Um, and uh, I, I enjoyed doing it the one time. And I know a bunch of Lucille, John, back in the scene, you know, they yep. go do it. Yeah. So um, it's unfortunate that they, you know, that had to. Because it's nice to have a local century. It sure was right. early and mm-hmm. local and mm-hmm. a good cause. Uh, lots of lots of good reasons for that. Yeah. Um, so you're doing the rides. Um, you're doing the rides with the groups. Uh, you're clearly picking up pace. You've got a century under your belt uh, by that. You know the the, the second or third year. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you? I don't. Even, I guess the bike packing was recent, right? Yes, bikepacking. Yeah, recent. yeah, that's two years ago. So okay, back at, back in here, we're just still doing those right. kind of rides. Oh, so by 2013, yeah, we put in the bid for the UCI 2015 oh, right. race. So that's what pulled me into the club. All of a sudden, okay, there's going to be this world class race yeah. in Richmond. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. So I'm new to cycling, but everyone recognized how big a deal that was. Yeah. So it, we became so focused right. on how this is going to lay out, how this is going to develop. Uh, yeah. you know, stickers all over the back of my car with Richmond 2015. Well, look at the hat. Yeah, what, I what see What hat that. am yeah. I wearing? Right. I, yeah. I, I can't get away from it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so really for two years, the everything became about dialing into 2015. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, so more centuries got faster. So mm-hmm. then in 2014, uh, you know, I think I think the Powhatan Free Clinic ride in 2014 was probably a 21, 22 mile an hour century. Really? Okay. It was just feeling good about yourself. Okay. Taking the stats. I used to take the stats, and if you had something like that, yeah. go in and put them on the wall at work. <laughs> say, I did. I did that. <laughs> When so so we'll we'll talk about it for a moment, right? So you're doing the riding, mm-hmm. right? Um, clearly you're meeting, you know, all these other cyclists. You're getting more involved yep. in the club. Um, when you would take when you I would say you took them into work, but like, how did the people, your 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 friends, your family who weren't cyclists, mm-hmm. you know, that you were telling, like, could they relate to these efforts that you were putting in, or they was just like, oh, that's that's great. I'm glad you rode. Yeah, like, no, no, no freaking way. Yeah, <laughs> it's just you don't you don't know what what it takes to do that. Yeah, um, there. There's appreciation. Okay, you must be working hard. Yeah. Actually, at that time, 
Um, I was working too much. I was probably 15 pounds heavier. I wasn't, okay. you know, that, that wasn't horrible, but still noticeable. Yeah. After two years of riding, I mean, that's, that's when you lose weight and kind yeah, of reform. Right. When you start, things come into shape for you because you don't want to carry that weight up a hill. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, and so people would notice, okay, your face is getting thinner and yeah. you, you must be doing something. I think I'm trying to remember how long, uh, storming a thunder Ridge has gone on because it would have been close to that time when I figured out from, I think Tuesday rides, my buddy, uh, Les Newman, mm-hmm. uh, probably you don't know him cause he's moved East now, okay. but Les had done storming a thunder Ridge ever since it started okay and did it i think he did it 10 seasons and uh so he kind of pulled us into you should do well there's two there was mountains of misery mm-hmm. which just was misnamed for something that you wanted to do and then there was storming thunder ridge which really sounded appealing uh conveniently we spent 20 years down at lake gaston on memorial day yeah so that kept me from ever doing Mountains of Misery. Okay. Um, but Storming a Thunder Ridge, we did that as a group and um, and started doing that. It became a weekend thing. Okay. Because the day before is Tour de Madison. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I don't know. Have you done Tour de Madison? I've, I've not. I've heard of it, but I've not actually done it's it. It's my favorite metric. Okay. Oh, my gosh. It's just a, a wonderful ride. Okay. The day before. Thunder Ridge. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the local people uh, man the rest stops with homemade everything. Right. Yeah. And it's uh, it's just a phenomenal... So we did that a number of years. We would we would go out, do Tour de Madison, mm-hmm. stay in Lynchburg the night before, and then do Storming of Thunder Ridge. And that was like monumentous weekend. Right, yeah. That made it up on my board at work. Where you, you put the, the stats from back-to-back rides and say, okay, I did that. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I have I guess I, I asked that question of like about, you know, telling your, your the non-cyclists that you know, your friends, right. co-workers kind yep. of thing, you know. Um, and we, we, I can see how we might want a little recognition for this effort. Like this was yeah. a big thing. We hadn't done this before. I pushed myself. And then they're like, oh, that's great. You know, it's like, well, yeah. you have to ask them, you know, have, do you ride a bike? Have you ever ridden a bike? Yeah. Right. So they, yeah, then, they have a relational and, point. And then they think about it a little bit. Then I would try to get people to take whatever bike they had mm-hmm. and go out and ride it at 20 miles an hour for as long <laughs> as they can <laughs> and say, okay, try that. Yeah. Okay. So now we're going to go out and do that for 40 miles or 60 miles, whatever right. it takes. And then you can appreciate right. what, this what that was. really, what that really means. That's a, it takes a, it, it takes a bunch. <laughs> Does. Um, so you do Stormy at Thunder Ridge. Had you done any like really big climbs up until that point? Once you, um, once you did that? Cause Tour de Madison's like, it's kind of got yeah. some hills, but it's not like a mountain in Tour de Madison, right? No, the, the, the first ones that really hurt were when we would do devil backbone loops Mm -hmm. so you start at devil's backbone you go down the patrick henry highway to 56 okay and then you climb up to crabtree falls and montebello okay that i I don't know if you've done that i've not but so there's a couple of notable climbs so patrick henry has some notable climbs to get down to route 56 okay um and then you hop on uh to 56 and head up and it's just switchback, and okay. it's steep. 
Okay. And then when you get to Montebello, you stop, you have a break, and then you got to do that kick from Montebello back up to the parkway. And that's, that's a, if, if you're not geared right, yeah. that's soul crushing. So you, it's like money in the bank. You want gears in the bank when you're doing that yeah. kind of stuff. So doing that led me to lighter bikes with better gearing. Okay. And, and that can be a progression. Yeah. Um, to the point of insanity. There, there was a like point, a better bike, there was a point yeah. in my mountain rides where I was using a compact crank yeah. with a 1142 rear sprocket. It looked like 1142. a 1142 on a, on a road, road bike, bike? Wow, <laughs> you know, okay. on a 15-pound road so bike. There was, back there. I mean, you could go up the side of a hill, a, a refrigerator. <laughs> I mean, it just, you, you were, you, you never used those last three gears. Even, even on the other side, you know, when you would come up um, uh, 56 from the other side, and um, which is something um, we do a lot out of Stanton, um, Oh my God. Having one or two gears left, yeah, uh, is 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 wonderful. I don't use that anymore because it's it's clunky to shift. You know, you have to add a wolf tooth extension on okay. your derailleur to, to, make, to, 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 to be to able get, to, to do the to be able to accommodate. Yeah, yeah. and so uh, so I've gone back. I think I think I use eleven thirty four as the the steepest I'll use now on a road bike. And uh, okay. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a that's a that's a normal gearing there. Actually, the other side of fifty six from Vesuvius. Have you ever ridden down to I have, Vesuvius? I have not ridden this, and I've heard many people talk about this. Well, that might be another good time to have something else going on, <laughs> <laughs> because it's uh, it's just three and a half miles, but it's switchback and it's it is steep enough to hurt. Okay, uh, I've done that with my. My buddy Andy Kepke did that on his old Aegis bike, like a how, expensive. How my um, my understanding of mountains um, is um, mostly just Stormy of Thunder Ridge. I'm trying to think if I've been up any other. I've done the Parkway, which has been gentle, like I've done Skyline Drive. Yep. Um, and then, like I've done another mountain, but it was it was still also like like Stormy or Thunder Ridge, like a mountain there. Just sustained. Okay. Yes. You know, yeah. Yeah. Thunder gentle. Ridge before you get past the big climb. Yeah. That's six to eight percent. It never it never goes above eight percent. Right. It's it's yeah, so it's, it's all about you and your personal efforts. Say okay, like I like to do that at about a hundred and seventy watts, maybe okay. hundred eighty watts, and just hold it right there. Yeah. I got lots left. I'm not gonna bonk and and I'm happy. If I if, if I try to sustain two hundred watts at some point I could screw up. Okay. <laughs> so, right. Burn but, too many but yeah, but so if you do the whole parkway is like that by design. Okay. The parkway is really made so you don't get steeper than that. Okay. It's only when you fall off the sides of the parkway. Oh, so, so if you want to find religion, Reed's Gap, you know, from Wintergreen, Reed's Gap goes okay. up to the parkway. The other side, Reed's Gap West, Okay. if, if you come up um, from the campground at the bottom of that, I mean, it hits 22%. It is, okay. um, is soul-crushing. <laughs> That's that's uh yeah that's twenty two percent yeah that's not something you do with the wrong gearing right I, uh... um 
Yeah, 22 per 22. I'm like, I can't even. There's a road on the Maiden's Maiden Adventure ride, right? That we'll, we'll do sometime. There's mm-hmm. a road. Um, is the I think it's the Maiden's Adventure ride. There's some options, but there's a, you go across a bridge. Yeah. And then there's like a neighborhood right on the other side of the bridge. And then there's a, you can either, I think you can go like kind of to the left and like kind of go around the neighborhood. Or you can take this right and then you hit this really steep road, but it's really short. Hmm. And I can't think of how to describe it better than like, it's just really steep to the point where I was like, I can't ride next to anyone. Oh, right. So normally Maidens starts at the high school. Right. Yes. And goes out Patterson, out Route 6. Mm-hmm. And then it turns left on Rock something. Is that, are you talking in that area? Or is it on the way back when you come back over the river? Oh, oh, I know what you mean. In Columbia. Okay. Oh, yeah. You mean you've shot down the 40 mile an hour Right, yes. down into Columbia, you cross the river, yeah. and then you turn right and you switch back up, uh, right in Columbia. Is that way? It's like a it's a sm- very small neighborhood yeah. right there after the water. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You're right. That is pokey. Okay, and that's and that's where I was like, I remember, I remember being on that with, was that with like Miriam and John? Either way, but I get on this thing, and you're talking about the 22. percent I don't know what it was, mm-hmm. but I was like, this is really steep. I'm not going to ride next to them. In fact, you all need to go up ahead of me (laughs) just in case. I'm okay unclipping, but not if you're like sitting right next to me doing super slow. Yeah, Um, yeah. No, that's smart. You need to do that. Reed's Gap West, I remember one time doing that with Henry Smith. mm -hmm. And he's walking. Yeah. I'm still pedaling. And he's leaving me walking. <laughs> so yeah, you you need to have room because you're not steady at that speed. Should we still ride it? I mean, I guess there's pride at that point. If we if if you know that someone can walk it faster than ride, it is solely pride that's making you pedal at it, that it, point. It tells yeah. me yeah. I should be stronger and yeah. I should be faster than he can walk. <laughs> and so that that that's exactly what it tells me. So that won't happen again. <laughs> um uh so, um, all right. So you're, you're doing the road riding. Uh, eventually, you have a gravel bike, right? You get a gravel bike. Clearly, some years have passed. So right? yeah. the the beauty of Strava, mm-hmm. and the reason I pay for Strava, okay, you get to see what all your buddies are doing, mm-hmm. right? And so when they pop up something unusual, yeah, I'll go and download the GPX and okay. save it in a file. Okay. So a couple of years ago, I guess this was pre-COVID. Sure. And um, I had seen a guy do this 200 and some mile adventure ride out of Harrisonburg Mm -hmm. and he did bike camping. Okay. And so he started in Harrisonburg and he rode the back roads and all these dirt roads and went up to Roosevelt National Forest. Okay. Which has a state park that... uh, They've closed because they don't have money to keep it open. Okay. And then, um, so I downloaded this route and I talked to my brew crew buddies about, mm-hmm. hey, you know, we should do this gravel adventure. And I didn't have a gravel bike at that time. Um, but, um, so we decided to do that. Okay. And uh, I ordered a Linsky, ordered a titanium bike, so I'm going okay. to have a bike. And then we planned from you know early spring, we're going to do this in September. Okay. And I think September 11th or something. Yeah. And so got the route all nailed down, got a good group of people, you know, yeah. Keith Van Inwigan, Ken Ashworth, uh, 
Dan Schmidt, Dan mm-hmm. Gerard, yeah. um, uh, Andy Kepke. Okay. <laughs> so Dan Schmidt and Andy Kepke said, we're going to pull a trailer. <laughs> Okay, on the bike. So on the bike. So we all start buying, you know, all this gear. Yeah. So we can go bike camping, which is, you know, I used to do motorcycle camping. I've had 14 motorcycles. So my wife and I, we would go camping for a week on motorcycle. So I had all the gear for motorcycle camping. That's not small enough and it's not light enough. Okay. So all of a sudden you have to buy all this other stuff. Yeah. And say, okay, I'm ready for an adventure. I got my bike. I got gear. It only weighs, it's it's under 60 pounds, so I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> and so we take off on that adventure and uh, following a GPX. Yeah. And we don't know the route. I mean, yeah. we're going through <clears throat> farmer's fields. We're just places where... The GPX was accurate, and yeah. you're questioning. I mean, you're going across creeks where it's there's concrete, the water's running, and say, I think it's shallow <laughs> enough we can get across. And uh, and unfortunately, that route. Yeah. At the end of each day, there was a thousand foot climb in okay. four or five miles, so 250 feet per mile climb. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So even though we're only fifty miles a day, yeah. it was. It's a big climb. Yeah. And and of course we're smart. We're camping. Yeah. So before we get to where we're going, we stop at the last town and load up on beer. <laughs> <laughs> and who gets the beer? The guys with the trailers. <laughs> so Dan and Andy have the beer, and so the 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 last climb up is again. I use the right. word soul crushing. Yeah. And um, the uh, the Roosevelt National Forest, which was closed, we had done, <clears throat> what's that, um, Tour de Valley. Mm-hmm. We had done the Tour de Valley, um, <clears throat> and was that actually Tour de, yeah, it was Tour de Valley. So we did that, and after that ride, I drove up to see where we could camp. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the National Park was closed. I called up the people. I tracked them down said, we need somewhere to camp. And so she told me about a place okay. where we could camp by a trailhead. Okay. But I wanted to see it. So I drove up after a ride, yeah. hid two gallons of water okay. so we wouldn't have to carry right. water up. And uh, <clears throat> uh, check that out. So anyway, we did that the first night. Um, new gravel bike. Yeah. Um, came with gravel tires. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah. They had tubes though, so uh, Butch helped me make them tubeless. Okay. Um, <clears throat> that first night, got up in the morning, topped off the air, blew the tube and the goop all oh, really? over everything. Uh, <clears throat> so I had to actually, I threw a, a tube in at that point. Yeah. I said, okay, I'm done with tubeless, <laughs> and went off for the next day. Yeah. And, uh, and that was a hard, that was a stupid first bike camping on gravel adventure. Because the next day, mm-hmm. we ended up um, going down into Woodstock. Okay. Had a great lunch. Oh, my God. beer, couple beers and lunch, which is great. And we headed off to more gravel roads and had to go up to Wolf Gap Campground, which okay. is in West Virginia. Okay. And the end of that road, again, had a thousand mm-hmm. foot climb in the last couple of miles. Um, a store at the bottom, uh, loaded up with beer again, and and went up and and got there, and uh, 
so that was just the end of day two and really questioning my reality. How, um, wait, okay. All right. <laughs> well, yeah. Wait, wait. How many... So you've gotten the gravel bike. Yeah. Had you done any rides on it prior to going on this this camping adventure? Only loading with gear and going to Pocahontas a couple of times. Okay. So okay. And so, see, okay. Okay. kind of ring everything out. Say, okay. how does this work? How does that work? Okay. So and, okay, that's I was somehow I was like under the impression you just you got the bike. You went out on this 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 monster. No, ride. I, you know, I, I I did some ride. I did some riding. Okay. I started doing the fire trails. Mm-hmm. Uh, may have done Bear Creek once. Okay. Uh, just to kind of figure out, okay, what what is it like? Uh-huh. And uh, and and they were nice mix of roads and gravel. Other than the climbs at the end of each day, yeah, um, that was fine. So our third day, we went from uh, Wolf Gap to Stokesville. Okay. And we had rented campsites at Stokesville. Okay. So how did that actually work? No, we rode back into Harrisonburg. Picked up our cars, which we had left in Harrisonburg. Okay. And then we drove to Stokesville, set up camp. Okay. And uh, I think Debbie might have come and we had a phenomenal meal. Ken and Debbie made hamburgers for everybody. Oh, nice. Um, And so that Saturday was our last loaded ride. Okay. So we took all our bike gear off and said, hey, got another nice loop. Yeah. This this reddish knob loop. Okay. And uh, so we took off, unloaded. I felt free. Said, yeah. "Oh, yeah, what can go wrong?" Yeah. And <clears throat> we headed up to Union Springs and started up this trail that we had, and came to a fork in the road and took the fork, and we were slogging back in just a crazy, not quite dirt road. I mean, yeah. it was just deep puddles. It okay. was. Uh, Keith lost his bag with his phone and his keys. Jessica lost her prescription, uh, Oakley's. Um, you know, and we didn't have the wherewithal to check that we were still on the route because okay. we weren't. <laughs> and so we got to the point where this thing was just ending without a choice. Yeah. And I said, let's stop and see where we're at. Well, we saw there was a turn back here that we should have taken. Oh, my gosh. So we all turned around. Keith needed his new phone yeah so he kind of was aware of maybe oh he had fallen okay i must have lost it when i fell and not realized it okay so he rode back to where he fell and then started walking and he did find his his bag and his phone okay jessica never found her prescription glasses but about that point mick mick howard said i'm gonna bomb down here so he took his bike on thin race tires yeah and headed down to make the turn, shredded his tire. Really? Shredded it. Um, so we got back to the fork and said, well, we're going to turn and finish this trip. And um, <laughs> that left a choice. Yeah. You know, now we've got to get Mick, you know, 20 some, 25 miles back to the car. Right. How are we going to do that? Um, and so Dan Gerard and I decided to shepherd him back. Okay. And Ken and Rob Wright and um, Keith uh, and Jessica went on through what turned out to be the trail that shall not be spoken. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, uh, and as we're trying to decide what to do, here come a couple bear hunters in their pickup trucks. Okay. So they got their dogs. They're up in the woods hunting bear. 
<clears throat> and we flagged them down and said, hey, any chance that we could throw mixed bike on the back of your truck and get them down to at least where there's highway? Yeah. And once we get the highway, Dan and I will ride back and get a car and come and get them. Okay. And so these guys, good old boys, you know, yeah. they said, yeah, sure, we can do that. <laughs> so we fasten this dead bike on the truck and Mick hops in the cab to ride with these guys. So those yeah. guys, they're scratching their head when they get back. Yeah. They drop him off where the paved road starts. Dan and I turn around and <clears throat> ride back to meet him. Yeah. <clears throat> and... As we get to the paved road, the st- you know we're, we're standing there, the three of us said, "Okay, we're gonna go get a car. We'll come back." Yeah. Well, doesn't a couple, old couple, you know, like my age, shows mm-hmm. up in a pickup truck? Yeah. Says, "You boys look like you're in trouble. You need some help." <clears throat> and we said, "Well, his his bike is broken. We're parked at Stokesville uh, campground. Yeah. And we're gonna have to go ride there, get a car, and bring it back." And they said, "Well." Yeah, we're not doing anything. We could we could take you there. Oh, okay. So they they actually drove him and his bike all the way to Stokesville Campground. Okay. So I'm now Dan there. and I are perplexed. <clears throat> we can turn around, go back up where we had come down, and try to catch those guys. Yeah. <clears throat> but we didn't. We said okay. better part of valor. We're gonna make this a short day, and we'll go back to the campground. Go back to the campground. Yeah, okay. But... How far was that back to the campground? Uh, uh, probably another. 15, 18 miles, something like that. So it still made a good day. And uh, had we known he could have got a ride, we wouldn't have had to bail from the the trail that shall not be talked about. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Wow, I didn't know there was that much adventure on that ride. Oh, my God, yeah. No no one has done that route again (laughs) and won't. And see, and that's part of the reason that I don't end up doing all the extra gravel rides because I don't know all the terrain. Yeah, um, <clears throat> and and those, <clears throat> that one, uh, Ken lost his Garmin 800. <clears throat> there was a waist-deep puddle they tried mm-hmm. to ford, yeah. and when he fell, his Garmin came off and it was gone. <clears throat> so now we all know we have those little tether. You know, when you buy yeah. a Garmin, yeah. it comes with a tether. Yeah. Most people don't put that on. But I always tether my Garmin after that. Yeah. Because I've had mine actually on uh, the Bike Virginia, one of the Bike Virginia routes. I lost my Garmin 1030, went flying down a steep road, banging all over the place. I found it. It's it's more messed up, but I didn't have a tether on. I will have to. So you should have. Yeah, I have lots of tips. I have tips (laughs) on that. I have tips on learning how to use clip-ins. I have tips on... (laughs) I never changes tires. <laughs> um, yeah, because losing the Garmin would is is uh, yeah. Because I also have a ten thirty, and mm-hmm. I would prefer not to lose it. No, um, no, mm-hmm. it was too much money. That was a retirement gift for me. But still, I don't want to have to buy another mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Um, so you're you do this, and this is a ride you did um, this past September. That was two uh, two September. Two, two September. Not, okay, not this last right. one, okay. the one before. Okay. Right. All right. Yeah. Um, so you had that, that was your, okay, so you got a gravel bike then. Yeah. Okay, you did that ride. Do you think, I'm going to do more of this? Or like, what? <clears throat> well, I did. We said we were going to do the Trans-Virginia Trail this okay. spring. Okay. And um, so 
we had put together, found the route. Um, mm-hmm. Dave Landis, a guy okay. up in Harrisonburg, created Trans Virginia okay. and come up with a couple of routes, the more severe mountain bike route and then yeah. the valley route. Okay. So the mountain bike route has 45,000 feet of climbing okay. in 535 miles. Okay. okay. No, and no. the valley route is only 35, 33,000 feet of climb. Okay. In that same thing, it avoids this thing I just described. This okay. thing I described yeah. is on the mountain right. route, so don't do that. Okay. And uh, so we were going to do that, and um, I think what happened there. I I fight diverticulitis, so I think I come down with a bout of that, and ended up bailing on doing that. But okay. Dan and Ken and Keith uh, did that, mm-hmm. and. Uh, this past spring and uh, Jessica decided to go up the night before camp and rode from where she camped toward Washington and met them. She did like 115 miles that day. Okay. To the start of this ride. Yeah. Well, to meet them because they started in DC and Mm -hmm. headed, um, headed toward her Mm -hmm. at bear, bear something campground. Okay. And so they all camped there. And then I think she did one more day with them, one or two more days. And, and then they went all the way down to Pulaski. Okay. But they were doing, you know, 85, 100 miles a day in this nasty, wow, nasty work, which yeah. um, that would have been at my threshold. And that, and that was all like, it was gravel. It was like kind of gravel. It road gravel, gravel. It's a mix of gravel and road. So okay. it's not, a, it's probably 50%, 45% gravel. Okay. Um, but thrown in there is this single track that is okay. single tracks not my friend i don't i don't generally do single track okay unless butch is training me to stay alive on single track it's <laughs> it's too close to trees too quickly mm-hmm. yep. so i'm not i have a mountain bike i have a nice mountain bike but it's not it's not not preferred i need to stay out of the hospital <laughs> <laughs> we all yeah uh, um so um uh, you do that ride. There's another gravel ride coming up. Yes, we're okay. doing um, June 18th. Okay, we're doing from Pittsburgh to Washington the Gapco. Okay, yeah, which yeah. should have been the first ride. It's it's a flat or a downhill ride. Okay, so you start in Pittsburgh, a couple of days to get to Cumberland. There's only that that first part of the ride is 1,200 foot of climb. Okay. Uh, in 70 miles. Oh, that's, that's, and yeah, uh, so then you get to Cumberland and Mark Saunders will meet us in, uh, in Cumberland and then okay. we'll head to DC. Okay. And then since that's not enough, most of the crew is going to ride home to Richmond. Okay. From DC. From DC, which is not made for bikes. It can be done. Yeah. But I want to get all the way to the end of the trail, mm-hmm. come down the Mount Vernon Trail, and then get picked up at Mount Vernon. That's, okay. that's what my plan to do. Um, you know, Bike Virginia was supposed to start the day after we got back. Okay. And I'm registered for Bike you, Virginia. You mm, okay. And so I, I needed a day so my wife didn't forget what I looked like. And so, um, so everyone else is not going to finish that ride. They're going to pull up 
somewhere this side of Brunswick, maybe 35 miles out okay. of DC. Okay. And start heading. Okay. Start heading uh, yeah. south, which could be maybe Lake Anna or uh, there's there's some obstructions okay. because of Quantico and other areas in Northern okay. Virginia. Okay. They have to work around. If you get into DC, there's some. There's roads people ride bikes on. Yeah. I don't know if you use heat maps in Strava or... Yeah, I have. Yeah, I have. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I, I created ro- routes that people use. Okay. Doesn't mean they're great. <laughs> Some of them are four lane. Okay. Uh, so I made that up, uh, but I think I think everybody's going to pull up short and take more rural roads and right. find their way back to okay. Richmond. But since I'm not doing that, I don't need to worry about the, not your, your the route or anything else. But yeah. that'll be a fun trip. It'll just be it just be a hoot. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. It kind of doesn't matter because I could just be like, yeah, we just cut out for a second and now we're back and <laughs> now it's recording. Cool. Um, so yeah, I will I will put something in there to, to bridge that gap. Yeah. Um, either way. Mm-hmm. Um, but you were talking about the... Um, the trip that is being planned yeah. um, for uh, June something, right? Yeah, June eighteenth. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you? How do you feel on those? These? These? Uh, I would at some point like to do when I've not camped in a really long time, mm-hmm. um, and I have the gravel bike, and I I, I look forward to the I, I the idea of the the bike packing, right? Um, I would not do the way you did. Like your first, that, <laughs> that was a large bike That was just wrong. Everybody no. admits that was wrong. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure my first bike packing is going to be me packing like clothes and stuff on the bike and then like riding to a hotel somewhere else. Or an Airbnb. Right. That's, where else, the, yeah. that's where the gap go would be perfect first event. Okay. Because there's uh, Airbnbs all along the way. There's bike shops. There's restaurants. We, we don't plan to cook on that. Like, okay. Like I, I like to cook and bring a stove and do all of that, but the chatter is we're just going to stop at restaurants or stores and buy food. So, um, but I like, I really like the idea of Airbnb to Airbnb right, yeah. and a nice yeah, cold bottle of wine each night. But uh, uh, yeah, that's that's great. That, I think <laughs> I would need some more planning because you're not going to be on the side of the road. Right. Um, you know where's I will, and also I don't know. I know plenty of people road bike, mm-hmm. but also don't have quite as large community of people who gravel bike that I would be like, let's do this like weekend oh, right. trip to sleep on the ground somewhere. Right. Anything. So, uh, but I meet more, you know, I meet more people and they're, they're, they're sharing to have gravel bikes as you yeah. do than others. Um, so, um, <laughs> um, you're playing this gravel ride, gravel ride. Do you, your road rides, cause you've done some big road rides, yep. right? Um, and you've done these gravel rides. Do you have a, does it feel completely? I mean, clearly it has to be somewhat different. Like, do you enjoy the gravel rides, these big gravel adventures? Does it feel more exciting than the road rides? Like, how? I I love just being in a pace line on a road bike. Okay, that's that's the top line. Okay, okay. <clears throat> um, you know, gravel is like a trainer. Mm-hmm. You're always working. Mm-hmm. You don't mm-hmm. you don't just coast on gravel. No, no, not well. So yeah. <clears throat> and. Uh, and having camping gear weighing yourself down, yeah. you know, that's going to make you work. So it is, it is more of a work adventure, but okay. it does make you stronger. It, uh, <laughs> it um, you know, after what we did on Saturday, you come yeah. back and Sunday yeah. I felt pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, I think really 
So it has been obnoxious wind since January. Mm-hmm. Almost every today where it's just like, you know. Um, and so with gravel, and the idea is in the winter when it's cold mm-hmm. and windy, we'll yeah. ride gravel. Okay. So the idea really started that, hey, when it gets really annoying on a road bike, let's go off in the woods. You'll, and you'll, so that makes a whole lot the, of yeah, sense. Protects for the wind. But, but like anything with the personality of a cyclist, you can't just be happy with that, let's ride in the winter in the woods. Mm-hmm. It expands around the edges to uh, let's go camping <laughs> in June and yeah. see how hot it is. <laughs> right. So. Um, so yeah, right. Doing more adventure, but but the road biking in a pace line—that's that's a thing that like that is the so first much thing fun. It's just okay. when uh, you know you if 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 you're with people, you know how they ride, you know yeah. how steady they are, and you're mm-hmm. just ripping it up. Yeah, um, that that really is fun. And then of course, all the adventures, the centuries that we do in the mm-hmm. mountains. Yeah, the you know Paula's ride, but then the um, what's the one out of Stanton, Lee Jackson, something or other. Uh, that was a tremendously fun ride. Um, Lee Warren Century? Lee Warren, yeah, yeah Lee, Warren. Lee Warren Queen City. Mm-hmm. That's it, yeah. That's right. a great ride. And I met a ton of fun people mm-hmm. on that ride. I'm, you know, if you're, you know, my normal buddies on a ride like that will average 19 miles an hour in the mountains, okay. which is above my pay grade. Yeah. So that means I'm going to be meeting new people on those <laughs> rides. So, so I. But it's great. I've met, I've met some real nice people on those, and keep up awesome. with them, and uh, and awesome. that that works fine. Awesome. Um, yes, there is um, one of those upsides of like doing going to like those events where you're registering kind of things, and there's hundreds of people that go. Is that you know? Yes, you were going to ride with your friends. Right. But then there's normally somebody else that will be, you know, it's behind you and you ride with them and now you've met a new person. There is right? always someone to find. Yeah. Uh, we, well, we did that um, Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So right. yeah. Um, Ken, Dan, and Eric, I, I rode with them for a bit. Catherine dropped off. I said, well, I'll go back with her. And she had found a group of five or six people yeah. to ride with. Mm-hmm. So we just had a wonderful ride, met some new local people, characters, yeah. and... Uh, and uh, for for anyone who may be listening, this this ride that, that just happened on Saturday was the um, uh, a ride organized by Outpost Richmond. Um, I guess they call the rides dirt bags, but it was a a gravel and road ride in South Hill, Virginia, um, a seventy mile road ride in South Hill, Virginia, and uh, half yeah. road, half road, right? Yes, yeah, so it was <laughs> like sixty percent road and like forty yeah. percent gravel. Um, but it was pretty tame gravel, yes. right? Yeah, tame it was gravel, wonderful. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's the ride he's talking about on yeah. Saturday. So, yeah. yeah, thanks. Um, but yes, you're right. Yeah, we, uh, that is when I was riding and starting. Like that was something that was a pleasant surprise. Is like doing the like I, I would I had things of like I want to do this event. I want to do this mm-hmm. event, and then you know you go do the ride and you find people you're riding with. And right, you chit chat. You know, you yeah. you're riding with them for six hours, like yeah. kind of thing. Like, oh, right. Now got a new friend. Yeah. Well, and then if you, you know, they show up on Strava. Right. So if you follow them on Strava, you say, hey, they're doing that ride. Right. Or this doing, I actually found a Holiday Lake ride uh, that okay. way. Okay. Um, that um, one of the gals we met uh, mm-hmm. had done. I said, oh, I'm going to do that. The, nice. That looks, and, oh, and also uh, a um, Twin Lakes, you know, that Farmville 
Um, Twin Lakes. Yeah, it's out in Green Bay. It's that Farmville High Bridge Trail kind okay. of. Okay. Okay. There's a there's a 45 mile and a 65 mile loop that kind of encompasses the high high bridge trail and then other things okay and so i've been saving those okay. those routes because those would be a they look interesting yeah and okay. exactly but by meeting someone right. follow them and they say right. okay what do they do what have they done yeah and then yeah. you say oh i can I, I can try that one so a lot of rides happen that way um that's how i found the um uh, i live near Bryan park um and that's how i found the trails in Bryan park um i saw someone else's strava ride and i was like wait I only knew the road loop and, mm-hmm. and there was like, Oh, there's trails back there. Um, and then, um, I think Jessica, I met with Jessica. I was like, Hey, Jessica can show me the trail. And she oh, did. Okay. And she's like a really good off-road rider. Very um, good bike handling and skills. Fantastic. Um, but either way, but, but again, I understand you see somebody's riding like, that's a cool route. I like to do that sometime. And you say, <laughs> so like, I have also like seen somebody else's route. I was like, I'm going to save that route. Cause that looked cool. So that I, that part I understand for sure. Um, so, so be careful with that, right? With Jessica, because <laughs> <laughs> Henry and I did one of hers uh, last month. She did a sixty-five mile loop mm-hmm. that kind of went through the city, went out to Midlothian, okay, went down to Genito Road, went down through Pocahontas, came back through Iron Bridge Park. Came back through the city to Bonaire, but by a way of this crazy route. Okay. So Henry and I, I made up a 45-mile route. I said, well, we'll be conservative. Here. Right, yeah. And he and I would do that. And it started from my house, and we ended up over uh, by um, Robius Road mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in, what's that, Green green something or other but anyway yeah it was single track okay uh, a fair amount of hike a bike okay uh, we we ended up going down this stairway and then through the woods <laughs> across a dam yeah and then trying to find the route and then we ended up by the the toll plaza on the po height the big toll plaza yeah where they had the uh they have all the sand trucks and everything else. Okay. Well, behind that is yeah. single track. Okay. Hike a bike. Yeah. <sighs> Henry, it, it was, <laughs> we told Jessica later that we had started to do her route. She said, why would you do that? <laughs> so my point was, just because that looks interesting, yeah. it might not be. And she did it because some buddy of hers said, hey, this could be a fun ride. And she went, yeah, okay. Oh. Well, that's that's good that she also was like, yeah, that that was not not the best. <laughs> Why would as opposed you do to like, that? You know, some other, some other yeah, no, that's off the list. Um, so um, so you're you're seeing the routes and you're doing the rides. Um, uh, what do you take with you on a road ride? Not a camping ride. You know, oh, what's right. what what kind of stuff do you like to take with you on a ride? Right, right. So. Um, I always liked uh, EFS, Electrolytic Fuel Supplement. So okay. The company is EFS. Okay. Uh, Wes uses Hammer and really likes Hammer. Um, I have found that the EFS is probably the best stuff. It's you know two scoops of powder. Okay. Um, Dan likes e-fuel, so mm-hmm. um, I will use that too. That's a little bit more cost-effective, mm-hmm. and uh, plus EFS reformulated, so now what they offer is a little different 
better. Um, but um, their gels, they make a goo. They used to make a little bottle, a four-ounce bottle mm -hmm. of goo, mm -hmm. which was great. Wes always used that, and that was perfect. Yeah. Well, they've reformulated that, so it's thin as water now. Okay. And... Um, and then not available in the four ounce jar. Okay. So now I have to clean out old four ounce jars, put them in the oh, dishwasher, yeah. and I buy their liquid stuff in a case. Okay. And and pour two pour of them the... into a bottle. Okay. And it, it does work. Okay. Uh, so if you're, I learned. Yeah. You can muscle a forty mile ride, and yeah. like Eric said this morning, you you know you've got enough stores with you. Yeah. You really don't need to do anything but drink for the first two hours. Sure. But yeah, then when that. you get to sixty miles, you better have been paying some attention. Yeah. To what you're doing. Yeah. So like a big ride, I'll always take some sport legs too when I start. Okay. Bring a couple with me, so at like mile sixty, I'll do a couple more. I bring a couple of goos. Um, and either the the e-fuel are huge things, so I have to empty them into the, the EFS thing. So I'll have one bottle of the uh, electrolyte solution, and usually yep. one bottle of water. Okay. And then um, these things that I gave you, mm -hmm. the puffed millet. Yeah. Big fan of puffed millet um, <clears throat> that I make up. Okay. Uh, I was using the, the Aussie Bites from Costco for a while. Um, they're okay. a quinoa. They're, they're excellent. Okay. And you can get a case of them for 10 bucks or something. So I recommend Aussie Bites if you don't like to make your own. Okay. And, um, but I really recommend the puffed millet with the cayenne pepper. Um. <laughs> it tasted good when you, you let me try it out. On the oh, ride. okay. So, That's yeah, right. Yes, I did. Right. I did. forgot I, about I tried. it. Yeah. So, um, and um, um, I guess when, so I, I've missed it. I've mentioned numerous times. I'd use the Cliff Bars, peanut butter Cliff Bars. Okay. Um, I, sometimes I'm, I feel like my stomach is not sensitive, and then other times I'm like, I don't want to try anything different to find out that it is sensitive. Right. Um, and, and I found the Cliff Bars are just enough balance of like, they, they taste good enough that I'll eat them, but not so good that I'm going to devour them kind of thing. As long as it works. Yeah. It that's seems that's it, why yeah. on any big ride, you got to be careful about changing. Yeah. Right? Um, I will do, you know, peanut butter sandwiches. Mm -hmm. Of course, you'll do bananas, you know, right. on a structured ride where they'll have, you know, bananas or oranges or pickle juice or pickles. Mm -hmm. um, uh, those, what are those prepackaged fast food uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? You know, oh, Crustables. Crustables, yeah. Crustables. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I can stomach one of those. Um, <laughs> they're... Uh, I'm sure they're not good for your body. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's clearly something they had to do to it to preserve it so that Yes. Are they in the I can't remember whether they're like they're not on the shelf. I think they're in like like refrigerated, I believe. They might be refrigerated. Yeah. But I'm but, pretty sure they do something to it to preserve it a yes, little bit. Exactly. A bit longer. Yeah, exactly. Um, there was a time I guess like three or four years ago, I was eating more peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I found them to be a decent snack. Oh, I absolutely. Better, healthier, lower sugar jelly mm -hmm. and stuff I got because of a coworker. But I would eat them at work. I would just bring okay. the bread and the jelly, right. leave it at work, eat them in there. And then somehow this coworker who had a daughter was like, you should try the Crustables. They're so easy. You won't have to make sandwiches anymore. <laughs> right. And so I did. I tried the Crustables. And I was like, yeah. 
this is like really plain. Like this is real. This is super easy, yeah, but it's just but it's, really, really plain. Right. Um, and I would prefer to just make the sandwich at this point in time. I think um, that's a better solution. Right. I I eat a lot of peanut butter and jelly. Um, whether I'm riding or not, it's kind of a staple. I buy my bread from Prairie Grain over okay. in Midlothian where they bake it every morning. And so I, I get a nine grain or a sourdough on Wednesday. And uh, I do organic peanut butter from Costco. And then the same thing with some jelly. And I like to do fruit smoothies after a ride. Okay. Uh, you know, I never drink enough on a you know weekly ride, you know, 40, 45 mile ride. Yeah. Uh, I never drink as much as I should. So you come home from a ride and I have to consciously yeah. make sure I hydrate up. So a fruit smoothie is good for that. Mm-hmm. Um, Costco screwed me up this week by not having the... They have a real nice smoothie mix with uh, yeah. you know, blueberries, strawberries, mango, okay. kale, which okay. is hard to get well in a smoothie. But when they have those, that, you know, and, it, and it's a bag of, I don't know, a dozen of these pre-mixes. Okay, so they're, they're individually, um, they're like the, the serving is individually wrapped in the bag? Yes. Okay. Yep. And actually the serving is enough. Uh, I, I cut it in half okay. each time. Okay. Uh, add my own blueberries and strawberries. I add peanut butter powder when I do that. Okay. And that works great. That's a that's a good thing. And that's it's fr- it's like frozen when you get it. Uh, the they are frozen. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, I may have to look into that. Oh, it's it's a good thing. Yeah. Um, I just got some protein powder that is uh, vegan that I actually mm. tried today. That was actually tasty, which was a oh, very oh, nice surprise. Cause yes. I, um, <laughs> that's uh, not a given with the right? vegan uh, yep, powder. Because yeah. um, I've tried some in the past. I was like, mm, this, I, I, I guess I'm getting protein, but this does not taste good at all. Um, right. So, okay. Uh, do you do protein, something protein after a ride? You know, there was a time that I did focus on like getting in some protein after a ride, but it's less so now. Yeah. It's, do I feel... Um, do I need to hydrate? Like I'll, I clearly, if I get home, finish a ride of whatever distance, and then I, I feel thirsty, I will then focus the rest of the day of like trying to hydrate. Cause if I right. feel thirsty yes. after right. ride, like it's a, right. By saying you're, you're missing quite a bit. Um, but then I don't focus as much on like, I should get protein after a ride kind of thing. 30 minutes or sooner after a ride. Yeah. A lot of people will tell you. Uh, that that's when your body needs the protein. Well, there's a couple of things that are painful. Um, so you need protein to rebuild and build muscle. Okay. A downside of age is you get older, your body can't metabolize protein as well. Okay. So you need to double the amount of protein that you eat. Hmm. So especially as I'm coming up on 70, it's yeah. important that I have 20 grams of protein with each meal oh okay yeah so that that is a conscious effort okay so uh after a ride i always have a 30 gram protein shake to, to, okay uh, just to make sure that i'm doing what needs to be done right after the ride okay and then uh later on i'll have if i ride in the morning and you finish at lunchtime yeah you know it kind of skews you so i may yeah. have a late lunch and that's when the peanut butter and jelly comes in there. <laughs> Peanut but it's important jelly. to pay attention. I mean, it, it's yeah. important to pay attention just in life in what you're putting through your body. Yeah. But when you do athletic activity, right? It's you don't want to bonk, and so this is the path to get there. Yeah, I, 
yes, I think when we start getting to like, I'm trying to improve my performance right. kind of thing, doing a thing, I, I, I do think it is, um, it becomes more important to, to look into like the things, not that it's not always important, but then, you know, to, I would improve my performance. Well, maybe I should look at what I'm eating right. or not eating kind of thing. Or when you're eating it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. When, um, yeah, there was definitely a time when I was making sure that I had some like protein right after a ride. I used to eat two packs of tuna. Mm. Um, sun kit, either way, <laughs> tuna, right after a ride. Yeah. Um, so those are the things you bring on the ride with you. Um, and then uh, when did you start using Strava? Um, when I retired. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. How long have you been retired? Because that just happened, right? 2018. Okay. Yeah. So that was, yeah, that was new. Were you using a bike computer? You were using a bike computer, right? Yes. I've okay. used, I've had a Garmin 305, what, okay. 520, okay. 810, 820, 1030. Okay. Yeah. So I've had, I still have them. I should sell some of those. I have eight Garmins, I think, uh, just because you, so why do I have a Garmin? So when I started, I remember being out on a, south side ride yeah on is it bander road what is that road out there near river road some road that runs into river road okay and came off the back of the group so i'm alone mm-hmm. and i'm not sure where i am and where i'm going so i pull up my phone and say okay google maps tell me where i am well mm-hmm. I, there was no coverage there was no google maps Ooh, there okay. was, i'm i'm at this intersection yeah. without a clue yeah and so Stood there till a car came along, flagged him down, and said, "Where the heck are we?" <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, "So that's why they use a bike computer." So that was my first Garmin three hundred five. That and is, uh, yeah, that is a, another nice benefit of being able to find your way home. It you know? it oh, it's yeah. When uh, we do uh, these bike and barge touring mm-hmm. trips in Europe, yeah, and uh, I've learned that you can get a hold of them ahead of time and get. The GPX file, oh, nice. so I go loaded for yeah. bear, yeah. So that Absolutely. I also, uh, um, I mean, we've been in France before, and we and our guide aren't really sure where we are. <laughs> so, <laughs> so having a having a separate set of breadcrumbs mm-hmm. is uh, uh, Keith teases me horribly for redundancy. Uh, you know, I'll have a paper cue sheet, and then oh, I'll yeah. have my Garmin. Yeah. I mean, they're just I like belt and suspenders. It's yeah, it's, it's one thing to do a local ride, mm-hmm. you know, on roads you've been on, you know, 50, oh, yeah. 100 times and not have the route. And you're kind of following the group. You know these roads. You probably know the names of them. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a whole other thing to be out of town, out of the country. Right. And not know the route and just hope you're going to find it. Way and maybe not it. know the language of the people you're going to run into. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it a is a different thing. <laughs> um, uh, have you done your racing? No. No racing. I, okay. I, I don't. Um, so I started old enough right. to realize that one, I'm probably never going to be strong enough to race. But two, I had, was it five years ago in the Ben King January 1st ride? Mm-hmm. I got caught up at the end of that ride. Okay. Uh, Mike, um, a friend of mine crashed in front of me. Okay. And I thought. I've seen Lance hop over people. I'm going to hop over his bike. So we were, it's the end of the ride. I mean, literally 
less than four miles to go yeah. and we're coming up to a main intersection. So we're, yeah, we're going 25 miles an hour, but we're approaching where you're going to slow down. Yeah. And so this big group of people I didn't really know yeah. uh, start slowing down. All of a sudden in front of me, this bike kicks sideways, a guy yeah. goes flying off of it. Uh, mixed to my side he's able to go this way but i can't really go into him so i said i'm gonna jump this bike yeah so i grabbed my handlebars and i pulled yeah and uh i i caught his uh rear stay yeah and it catapulted me over on my back at 25 miles an hour it it landed me on my back i stuck the landing (laughs) so didn't tear the kit I mean, okay. I broke 13 ribs. I cracked four vertebra. Um, wow. Okay. I got a concussion and I punctured my right lung. So that brought me a couple of weeks in the ICU. Wow. <laughs> it was, okay. uh, yeah, that was, that was a bad, bad crash yeah. for, for a bike. I mean, people crash all the time and you break yeah. your collarbone and you're yeah. good. Yeah. But this was uh, $172,000 worth of good. Um, and that was January 1st. So that has let me know. I mean, I seldom will push myself to more than 90% of what I'm capable of. Okay. And, and that's, so that's going to take racing out. You got to give it all. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I see that on all my rides. There'll be rides. I'd rather come off the back than think I'm going to be sloppy. Okay. This past October, I had my second crash where someone crashed in front of me oh okay and uh rain jacket okay it had been raining we all had our rain jackets on okay and one of my buddy's jacket uh worked out at the end of the ride fell into his wheel locked his wheel up and sent him he came off off. the bike okay but this time i knew don't (laughs) don't (laughs) bunny hop you're gonna ride over him (laughs) okay which is what i did okay wow i just uh cracked my orbital sprocket three cracks here and cracked the rib. So that was much better. Actually, we both learned. He ended up staying in the hospital a week, but uh, okay. they never admitted me. They let okay. me sit there in a pool of blood for six hours. And uh, <clears throat> real good triage. Okay. But then if you don't need to be admitted, they're just going to let you idle until they kick you out. Okay. So. Wow. But okay. that's, your, that's the answer to racing. I don't need to race. <laughs> race is not your thing. Okay. Okay. Not All good right. for me. Um, uh, ask you about your snacks and Strava. Um, do you take your bike on your non-cycling vacations? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, yeah, I need to. I, I did that at work actually. Okay. Um, and uh, when I worked, I supported Virginia, West Virginia, North Carolina, mm-hmm. and so would do training and promotional stuff, events. Okay. So I would often bring a bike okay. and uh, either know someone that rode. Okay. Like in North Carolina, I had a couple riding buddies. Or like West Virginia, I'd go to the local boat, bike shop or call them say, hey, what are your group rides? Yeah. And find people to ride Tons with. Somebody, yeah. So you meet a bunch of people in a state or city you don't know. Mm-hmm. Always fun. <laughs> nice. Always fun. Nice. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm going to just crash into this um, because I can't find a good segment. Um, tell me about this. Um, I'm going to say it wrong, but I'm going to try. I've... A vascular necrosis necrosis. of the femoral head. Yeah, that was something that uh, when I was 49, never been in the hospital. Okay. uh, Ended up 
sitting at my wife's church in a pew, and mm-hmm. I'm not Catholic, and she is, so mm-hmm. when they do communion, I'm not invited to that, so you swing your legs. I had a pain in my hip. I said, oh, that's pretty weird. Yeah. Uh, I'm all about predictive and preventative maintenance, so I ended up going to the doctor and found out the bone in my hip had died, which is a vacular, mm-hmm. and so necrosis is dead. Um, mm-hmm. So... I would drive a lot for work. You know, they tell you stop every two hours and walk around. Sure, yeah. Sometimes you're busy and you don't do that. You okay. get in the car, you deadhead for six, eight hours okay. and, you know, until you run out of gas. That's bad. Don't do that. Okay. So when that bone had died at just 49, you're yeah. faced with either a couple of joint replacements, mm-hmm. which you don't get usually more than two of those. Or this new, it was kind of experimental surgery, okay. which is what I elected to do. They okay. removed my fibula, so I got okay. a seam in my left leg, and they hollow out your hip, so like a 916th diameter hole, okay. four and a half inches long, right into the center of your hip. Okay. They insert the fibula, and then they graft the artery from the fibula onto your femoral artery, so you have kind of new blood coming into this dead bone, and the new bone will grow itself out. Okay. And in theory, um, it'll it'll work. Okay. The recuperation for that <clears throat> is mm-hmm. I didn't walk for eight months. So you find out you need this. Yeah. Uh, Thanksgiving week, I so I was immediately on crutches for three weeks till the surgery, mm-hmm. and then you have the surgery and you can't walk for you can't do anything for eight weeks. Okay. And then you can start putting five pounds per week okay. on your leg, which meant you go to the Y, you okay. get in the water, you yeah. put light weight and you do. And do so you move. do that until you finally get up to body weight on it. So okay. at the end of eight months, okay, there you're walking again and hopefully it works. Okay. Um, but you don't have the stability of a bone in your lower leg. So your ankle is floppier. Okay. So, so wait, 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 okay, ski. okay. The in your lower leg. Yep. What's in your lower leg? So the larger bone in front is a tibia. Okay. And then the back bone that attaches to your ankle and gives you your leg stability is a smaller bone that's your fibula. Okay. Yep. You're trying. You can try mine. There's nothing there. <laughs> it's it's just so right all in here. There is only this bone. Oh, there okay. is there is nothing there on that side. So my okay. concession is with you don't downhill ski, don't ski, yeah. and don't run. Um, okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I w- yeah. I will run some, but I hate running. It was great. Give up running, I'm good with that. <laughs> the skiing was a lot tougher. <laughs> okay. Yeah, cuz running is 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 high impact. Yes. Um how so the 8 months you you're you're not walking um and then you you start walking like how was that when you were able to walk again were you just like really unsteady with the walking or was it still it was still like a quite a bit of recovery even after that it it really was not okay um some of my uh a lot of my soccer players parents were doctors okay and so every doctor i would talk to i'd say i'm gonna have this done does that make sense yeah you don't really need your fibula yes it's just it's you know kind of an extra part you don't really need it and i'd always say well do you have yours and they'd say yes well so i don't know that that's right yeah (laughs) but in hindsight uh it is totally recoverable okay um it it doesn't 
Yoga helps a lot. Okay. I, I do yoga. And so the, okay. be, be, you know, being able to stand on one foot, um, okay. you know, put your socks on, you know, just little yeah, things. Right. Yeah. The, these are things that you get to be geriatric yeah. and uh, just standing there balanced, you know, and some of the crazy one-legged yoga poses or yeah. all that is good for you. And okay. you just, you muscle it up. Okay. Um, does that affect your riding at all? Do no. you feel, you don't, you don't feel difference now? No. Nope. Okay. No. Awesome. Other than like uh, John uh, Hamilton said, or no, I guess it was Bruce Silverman said, you just can't afford to fall on that. <laughs> no, yeah, no, you can't. Which There's is going... a valuable point. I've fallen yeah. twice, but uh, my, the other leg. my, you know, it's been 20, 20 years now. Is that right? Okay. Um, um, yeah, it's coming up on 20 years. So uh, wow, I guess okay. it worked. Uh, it's been 50,000 miles of cycling. So I guess that I, I need to send my doctor a note that, you know, because there was a lot of discussion right. at that point. I was doing research saying, is this, oh. is this a practical surgery? I mean, am I, what's it going to do my quality of life? I said, what am I going to have to give up? Uh, that would be, I think, would be useful for that, that. I mean, not that they don't probably already have some knowledge, but that might be like, yeah, this worked out. I'm still using And I've done on, this. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been able to use these legs yeah, quite I probably quite need thorough. to drop him a quick note. He was a local guy. So. Awesome. Um, why do you keep riding? Why do you keep doing oh, it? It's a thrill. Okay. Well, well, one. So, did you ever meet Mark Hamm, Mary's husband? I don't think so. Okay. So when uh, when I started riding, Mark and Mary were big cyclists. Mary did Portobello rides and uh, great people. Um, Mark had written a book with Greg Lamond okay. on mitochondria. He was okay. all big on mitochondria. Okay. So mitochondria, you know, your body's little engines that helps rebuild yourself. So mm -hmm. the theory of the book those two did, uh, I don't know if you ever followed Greg Lamond's um, cycling history. and then, I am familiar with Greg Lamond, but only slightly. Well, he, so. after winning Tour de France, mm -hmm. he was off with his family and was shot in a hunting accident and filled his body with lead pellets okay really ended his cycling career he yeah. got one more uh win after that but they couldn't get all the lead out of his body yeah and so he was real cognizant of mitochondria mm -hmm. and mark was so the theory is you know this high intensity interval training mm -hmm. is the only thing that kind of keeps mitochondria continuing to develop and to work Hmm, okay. So as you dig into the physiology of cycling or anything that gives you that, you know, HIT, H-I-I-T, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. high-intensity interval training, that allows your body to continue to produce my mitochondria, which slows the aging process. Hmm. So that dovetails into what we do as, yeah. okay, we're getting good exercise. We feel good. There is nothing better on a stressful day so six weeks now, mm -hmm. I've woken up in the middle of the night. I sleep through the night. I wake up every night mm -hmm. visualizing being someone in Ukraine. It's just, you know, what is happening in that country is yeah. just such a, such a hellicious, devilish thing. Yeah. And so you have events like that. You know, I'm retired, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm financially set yeah. i shouldn't have anything wake me up in the morning cycling is good whatever your stress yeah you go out and you have a good ride yeah you'll sleep better that night 
And that's so true. that's yep. one of the reasons we do it. You know, yeah. life gets busy, life becomes a distraction. Yeah. And we go out and you know, right. you feel good. Yeah. Uh, so one, it, it helps your body rebuild itself. And two, you feel good about that. And slowing the aging. And process. actually during COVID. Yeah. The isolation of COVID. Yeah. Oh my God. We did concurrent solo rides. Yeah. So we would ride from the house. I've, I created, I think I made a hundred rides. Okay. So all dif- different distances. Yeah. And we started doing that. We'd go out, we'd meet, we'd get a hundred feet apart mm-hmm. and we'd do the same ride a hundred feet apart. Yeah. And we did that for a long time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, eventually, uh, you know, once you, you know, it was kind of a freaky thing. The last right. one was, what, 1918? And, mm-hmm. you know, millions of people died. So it was like it was like a bad lottery. Mm, you know, okay. your chance of, of, of dying was low, you know, less yeah. than 2%. But it was 2%. Right, yeah. So, you know, it, it, could, it could end poorly. So yeah. everyone was... Everything got canceled, mm-hmm. um, but that allowed me to still see real people yeah. and do real stuff. Yeah. And uh, so for you know, Catherine, Gus Pacunia, and I, mm-hmm. we we did a ton together. Yeah. During COVID, until they finally come out with a vaccine that makes you feel well. I'm not going to die. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I want from a disease. I don't want to die from it. <laughs> yeah, it is supposed to. Of many things, mm-hmm. help low. If you do still get sick, because apparently you still can with the vaccine, mm-hmm. um, lower the severity right. of it. Once oh, you, absolutely, you to get sick, Ab- so. absolutely. Um, and now, Doctor Dave says, "What's that? It's not uh, not the horse pills, but there's a there's a real um, uh, pill that mm-hmm. you can take today that, okay. that you come down with COVID. If you know right away, so you have lots of tests. Yeah, it it will even will help. mitigate yeah. that." It's not like remdesivir, but it's like remdesivir. Um, and I just got my first booster shot yesterday. Yesterday oh, at 9 a.m. Good for you. Um, I actually went out on a ride mm-hmm. that morning with the thought of like, if this is going to like knock me down for like a day, I right. prefer to let me get my activity first. So I went out yep. and rode yesterday oh. morning. <laughs> I do that um, with all shots. <laughs> um, yeah, just in case. Like I'd rather, and, But I also heard that like activity beforehand helps. Yeah. Like because it helps boost your immune system, so yeah. it'll make you have a better response if you get the shot. So it's yeah. Like, yeah, I'll clearly I'll ride. I think that's right. I got uh, <laughs> so we get, I'm I'm due for my second booster. I got my first booster in early September, so okay. I'm months out from that. Okay. Um, and got Shingrex, you know, for chicken for shingles. For shingles. Okay. And flu shot. Okay. And my booster at the same time. So, in the body, man. so I figured two in one arm, one in the other. I said, wow, this should mess me up. So again, go yeah. out for a ride. Yeah. And uh, I felt pretty good. Really didn't have really? a consequence okay. of that. Okay. And I, I, I thought about like, should I get other shots as well? Because because CVS was great. CVS mm-hmm. was like, you like we're giving up booster shots. Like, and they made it super easy to they sign did. up for they the thing. Do. It was yep. a CVS. It was like, do you want to get these other shots? I was like, you know. I don't quite know how I'm going to react. Like, let's not, <laughs> let's do the one that seems the most life-threatening. Uh-huh. And then, because like, I've, I don't know if I've ever had the flu. I've had pneumonia, which is not the same. Oh, um, you had pneumonia. I've had pneumonia that, a couple that's of a years re- ago. That's a reset. Yeah, pneumonia was, um, pneumonia, was that pre-biking? I think that was pre-biking. It was. It was actually 2016. I got pneumonia. Um, I was actually doing a pottery class, which I couldn't go to. Um, so I got pneumonia 
Um, I got pneumonia and then uh, I didn't feel well. And I just felt really like low energy. And it's like, everything seems slow. It's like a little, just like it's a slower reaction time. Um, But yeah, I got pneumonia and then I still worked. I got pneumonia. I knew I I didn't feel great. What happens? I had a Fitbit. I had a Mm. Fitbit at the time and it was like a Saturday. And on Sunday, I remember like, I don't feel great. And I could look and I laid down and I looked at the Fitbit and it was showing I had like 90 beats a minute and I was laying down. I was like, whoa, that's concerning. I think I have a fever. Um, And (laughs) so, um, and that was like, oh, I'm glad I have the Fitbit. Either way. um, And then like I worked for two days and then I was like, yeah, I need to go home. Mm -hmm. And then I, um, yeah, patient first was like, yeah, you have pneumonia. You need it. So I I did work for like two more days and I think I was fine like a week later. And then I got Achilles tendonitis um, two weeks later. Because I hadn't been doing any activity. I had pneumonia. I've been right. sitting on my ass. Right. Um, and then I got Achilles tendonitis one day because I went to out of town for Thanksgiving. I topped on a elliptical thinking, ah, I feel better. I did this elliptical workout for 15 minutes or something like that. Then hopped in a car because I was in Roanoke to drive back for three hours. Going to your point of not sitting down for three hours. Right. right. Got back to my parents' place after sitting down for three hours in my car. Got out the car. And as soon as I put my feet on the ground both of my like tendons and the, the Achilles didn't like they both hurt. And I was like, mm. why does this hurt? You like injuries. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was yeah, pre-biking. That, so. That's bad. I, uh, I started getting flu shots in yeah. my thirties when, you know, in upstate New York, snow, cold, all that. I used to just work through everything, mm-hmm. get the flu, work through the flu, got yeah. pneumonia okay. and ended up with low blood oxygen. Okay. Mm, which, okay. so you can, Pneumonia can be bad. Yeah. <laughs> so after one or two bouts of that, I said, I'm going to get a flu shot every year. So that's not had an issue since. <laughs> you know, the is not cycling, but the idea of like just working through right. stuff, right? Um, I, I hope that changes. I hope that, you know, clearly the pandemic has been terrible. Um, but I hope we, we have a change in thought of like, I shouldn't actually have to work through this. Like I'm actually sick and I should go rest right. and I shouldn't go into the office. I have a cold. I right. might sit my else sick. Right. Let me go home and like not go in. Right. Um, as opposed to like, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be the soldier. I'm going to work Tough through this and go into the office and not think about, I just got all my coworkers sick. They got their kids sick and kind of thing. Right. So, um, I hope there's a change in thought about that and certainly a change from employers forcing employees to come in you know like you're sick who cares yeah kind of thing. i think i think um, you're right we need your body in a seat is not gonna work right? yeah because it's it looks bad yeah it looks bad because you know either way <laughs> sidetrack realness <laughs> yes we want people to be healthy uh we hope employers uh you know care for their employees more um <laughs> um uh, uh snacks uh strava um the non-cycling events you talked about the pandemic uh, how that impacted cycling life. Oh, I got one um, for you. Uh, what what else happened with the, the pandemic? Um, not much, but I wanted to talk about clipping in. Two things. Sure. Yeah, two please things. Because uh, you've asked people about, you know, what, do they clip when in? Is, when yeah. did they when start? Did, when did that happen? And mm-hmm. I've had a lot of success with people okay. by telling them, hey, if you're going to do clip in, mm-hmm. do one side for a month. Get used to clipping in. Okay, you're probably dominant when you come to a stop. You lean on one leg or the other. Mm-hmm. I, I do both. But it, make yourself consciously unclip before you come to the stop sign in that one foot. 
Mm-hmm. So do it enough that it kind of becomes second nature. Mm-hmm. Then switch and do the other foot. Okay. And get used to that. And then after you're used to unclipping and the feel and all that, mm-hmm. then do both. So now you're used to it. You understand what you need to do. You're thinking about it before it stops. Right. And I don't know anybody who has fallen. You know, everybody right. turtles. Yeah. You know, they'll tell you, oh, yeah, I turtled, you know, three yeah. times, whatever. Yeah. But by doing that way, you're kind of easing into it. it, right. it it's a good way to learn to do clip in. I agree. Yeah, that would be great because you, you'd one, you'd also get proficient unclipping with exactly. both feet. Whereas exactly. If you, you know, unclipping immediately with both with right. both feet, kind of thing. Right. Um, you can think about it before stop signs, and it just it kind of eases you into that mm-hmm. before. So that's my one, and that's on clips in, and then mm-hmm. the other one is on dogs. And this oh, okay. is funny. People that ride with me, they'll tell you, what do you do when a dog starts chasing you? Okay. Yeah, I sprint. Like it's a, yeah. So that's the natural, right. and it, you know yeah. all your situations are different. But yeah. when the dog appears out of nowhere and runs into you, yeah. you're hosed. Yeah. But mm-hmm. the usual scenario, they'll come out to the road and they'll be eyeing you up for the run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's that. usually nine out of time, ten times what happens is yeah. they are. They playing offense, yeah, and they're sizing you for the run. Now, depending on how many are in the line, it's all going to be a little different. Mm-hmm. Everybody starts speeding up, and you have a line. Mm-hmm. What I always do is, mm-hmm. as you get to the point where he's lining you up, mm-hmm. I head straight at the dog. Okay. So I head right at the dog. All of a sudden, he's going from offense to defense. Hmm. Okay. So now, as all of a sudden... Right, somebody's coming He's have to change his focus of what he's doing. Yeah. And as he turns off, right. then I'll come back over and take off. Right, right. And the amount of times that has worked is a lot. You know, ask people that ride with me that, what's he doing? <laughs> and I'm going for the dog. <laughs> that, I, I would have to have more examples of that working. Right. I right, know. because there's that shot of like, now you just got closer. Right? Yes. Right. Yep. Yeah, um, but I have speed and I have the ability to yeah. dictate where I'm going to go, yeah. and the odds that he's going to go toward me or yeah. toward people in the road, mm-hmm. I've never had him go that way. I could see that. I've I could see. Always had them go. go back to safety. They say, I'm getting right because now you're you're coming towards them. Yeah. Right. Right. So you're right. Not a study. Not yeah. a proof. No. Yeah. Ju- just empirical observation yeah. that that's what I do when a dog is lining me up. And you know that that's how um, you know a study sometimes form. You know, yes, like somebody's right. like, I noticed this happen quite right. often um, at a remarkable count of times. This happened, and like, mm-hmm. and then and then you know, scientific studies start, <laughs> right? Kind of thing, right? Um, yep. Which reminds me that um, you know, Lucille, Lucille. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Lucille she, O'Neill. Yes, she has. Um, lovely lady. She has told <laughs> she has told us if we've been in the group, she is leaving us. If the dog comes out, she has clearly told us, and we know that if the dog comes out to chase, she is, she's, it's all about her. She is going to be gone. She's going to either <laughs> oh, she's sprint. going to go off the front. Yeah, yeah, she's going off the front to get away from the dog. And we're, and we, we know that who ride with her, like, she's gone. She's just like, she's okay. not going to be like, oh, guys, catch up, like, do it. Nope, she's, she's already said she is going to just, just sprint and take off mm-hmm. to get away from the dog and then hope that we catch up. Right. Um, oh. Which I, 
not to say people should be on their own, but like yeah. I can understand making that executive decision of like, and, I need to survive. And it's good to know what people are going to do. Right. Yeah. Right? I already know it that tactic. A, Let yeah. me get out of her way so right. she can go. Because so she's, a, she's not going to do your tactic. She's yeah. not going to be with the dog <laughs> to try to like, let me scare it. Yeah. Um, kind of well, thing. and some dogs are fast mm-hmm. and some dogs have stamina. Yeah. So yeah. I, I remember a Hanover ride out of the courthouse mm-hmm. uh, on Etna Mills Road where we had a dog chase us from up near Dabney mm-hmm. all the way up to what Calno and when you turn left to come back, what is that? Down the steep bleak hill. Oh, really? Oh, And, and then wow. all the way up to the farm. <laughs> I mean, we, we had a dog chase us four or five miles. So they some dogs have stamina yeah. and some dogs are fast and yeah. uh, and depending on where you are in the line you need to know all that right <laughs> yeah it's like it, some might just have to be sacrificed for the cause yeah right you know? um, yeah. but yeah um, I thought we were gonna get chased by a dog we ran uh, the, the ride on Saturday the South Hill ride there was some yard where there were a few dogs in the yard and we saw them kind of moving along with mm-hmm. us as we were coming up as a group. Um, and then there was, I could see a few of us were eyeballing the dogs. Right. Like, are they going to do it? Are they going to yeah. do it? And once we kind of passed the yard, I was like, we're clean. We're good yeah. guys. We're, we're good. Um, but well, there was the, you know, just like a conscious watching. Of and if season. they're over there and starting to run with you, mm-hmm. that's the time you want to sprint. Yeah. <laughs> no, so they're coming that, along. That's yeah. a good time to look at the power meter and say, I'm going to put some Watts down. <laughs> um, what is, um, I think you gave me a note about this. Your, do you have a favorite cycling kit? What are your, some of your favorite cycling kits? Uh, so I used Tin Cappy bib shorts for a long time. Tin Cappy bib shorts, okay. Um, and I, I started to think some of what I had bought might not be true Tin Cappy. Okay. Just because they fit nice, but they just didn't seem to be as comfortable. I used Tin Cappy metrics for a while. Um, and, um, I always use bibs. Okay. I have started to use, um, you know, when layer? it's cold, mm-hmm. I have <clears throat> Korean base layers okay. from Emfra, E-M-F-R-A-A, Emfra. Okay. <clears throat> Lately, they seem to have gotten out of cycling gear. Okay. Um, but I have switched to Merino wool. Okay. Um, 83% merino wool and then some uh, lycra and elastane. Okay. Uh, so it, it wears. Merino mm-hmm. wool doesn't wear well without <clears throat> some... Uh, Elastic in there. Yeah. And so you don't... They don't get wet. Okay. Um, and so I've started doing that for bike camping, but okay. then <clears throat> I've kind of gone off in the weeds. I have short sleeve, I have long sleeve, mm-hmm. and they make a great base layer. Okay. And they they don't get wet. They're you know kind of odor resistant. They're just it's the right thing to wear. You know, John Hamilton talked about mm-hmm. wearing a lot of wool, <clears throat> and um, these are more just a thin base layer. And I highly recommend them. Okay. Uh, Renata wears uh, uh, a merino wool base layer, and <clears throat> it's a it's a it's a good thing to do. And then I seem to have lost my capris. I like to. Um, I like the Raba, the um, Starlight bibs. Okay. Okay. Uh, they just work. Okay. Now, <clears throat> they wear out, 
Sure. Um, okay. They, you know, I, they get to a point where Stephen and Anik would tell me, "Buddy, I'm looking at your ass. You need, to, <laughs> you need to do something here." So, so they do, they do run thin. I, I just recently bought a couple more Starlights. Nice. Um, but they are comfortable. And then in the winter, I'll often um, put a Capri Thermal over them. Okay. That I can take off mid-ride. I will ride cold. I'll ride down to 45 with just shorts. Really? Uh, most people at 55, they want something. Yeah, yeah. Um, Be covered but there. then if it's colder than that, uh, I have a couple good winter um, full-length thermals. I recently bought, <clears throat> I hate to say this, no. I, <clears throat> I bought a couple of backup thermals from Amazon okay. for 32 bucks that are phenomenal. I was looking for some Castellis. Okay. Because <clears throat> um, several people wear Castellis. You know, right, you got yeah. you to get extra large. But yeah, um, right, yeah. the only problem with them, the, the little scorpion symbol always comes off. And it does, yeah. It always does. Work. Yeah. <clears throat> and so that kind of annoys me. But I had recently bought two more. I had some Nash Bar. I had some, some other. And... It's astounding how well they work, even down to, you know, 34 degrees is my limit mm-hmm. just because of ice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but right. from 34 and up, a good pair of thermals mm-hmm. is astounding on how well they work. Right, because, yeah, your, your, your legs are moving. So Yes, um, your legs are moving. Right, you're so. moving blood. Yeah, I have found, everybody's a little different, but a 130 beat per minute, mm-hmm. I'm moving enough blood that my hands and feet will be comfortable. Okay, uh, below that threshold, your hands and feet can get cold. I do a silk liner under my gloves in the winter. Okay. A silk liner gives you another five to eight degrees under whatever um, glove you use. Okay. And um, so that makes your hands comfortable. Um, so when before your time was Jim DeNoon when I started riding. Yeah. Jim was a professional tennis player all his life, had I think two artificial knees and, and would bike. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, I would always just ask him, Hey, what are you wearing at this temperature? Yeah. What do you, you know, and that led to me having an Excel sheet for temperature in five degree inter- increments. Really? This is what you need here. This is what you need here. This what, and so oh, kind of dial that all in. So yeah, yeah I'm dialed in on clothing. Nice. Um, <laughs> okay. So when do you wear shoe covers? Um, usually at 40 degrees, even maybe if it's windy. Okay. Uh, 45 um, okay. And so I'll do, if it's colder than 35 or 38, mm-hmm. I do one of the chemical toe warmers. Okay. Uh, on the top of, okay. on the, the top of my sock. Okay. And then I put my shoes on and then I put boot covers on top of that. Um, and you know, that'll get some me reason done. I didn't think the, um, I guess I've not actually seen one of the, I mean, I've seen the, the hand warmers. Right. But I've not seen one that s- seems small enough. That I would be able to fit it in my shoe, uh, kind of thing. So every spring, mm-hmm. um, Costco has cases of toe warmers okay. on sale for ten, twelve bucks. Okay, and that will take you. They're good for five years, so that'll take <laughs> you through a couple of winters. Um, um, and they just stick to the top. Yeah, you, know, you can put them on the bottom. I don't. I put them. They'll stick to the top of your sock. They get a little sticky stuff. And you put them over your toes, okay. And they're just pushing a little extra heat into your toes, and that combined with the shoe covers is just perfect. So okay, I so I so yeah. When it's it. cold, I'm comfortable. There's you know there's you've got it you've got it um, figured below out. Below forty, I'll do a balaclava. Okay. Uh, above forty, I don't. 
Um, okay. So everything is just a little specific. <laughs> okay. Um, now, when you started riding, um, did you, like, what kind of kit did you get? Like, when you when you first got that, let's go with, um, when you were doing that mountain biking, when mm-hmm. you had the mountain bike, what were you riding in then? Do you recall? Were you just like street clothes? or? So my mountain there? bike would have been mountain biking shorts. Okay. Um, what's the company that makes them? It'll come to me in a sec. Um, I would I would do mountain biking shorts and okay. then some some tight something underneath it. Okay. And then um, pretty early on, I would buy base layers. Okay. Um, and and then I didn't do wool until just recently. Okay. But uh, I have <clears throat> I have too many winter jackets. I have too many rain jackets. Okay. <clears throat> Both may or may not work. Okay. You, know, you just the risk the risk in winter is you've worn too much. You know, you really want to be on the edge of shivering when you start because once you're right, you get moving, you, you know, once up. you're moving, you want to be comfortable. So you don't want to be sweating. Right, at the and, start, right. And uh and then in rain, mm-hmm. all kind of rain gear mm-hmm. doesn't breathe. Yeah, so right. it is very hard to find some good rain gear yeah. that lets you do ride and yeah. not be a pool of sweat inside of it. So, yeah, that is true. Um, you have to get that magical Gore-Tex. Um, yep, kind that's of, right. Kind of stuff. Uh, I overdress with Gore-Tex. I have a nice Gore-Tex jacket, mm-hmm. um, but the tendency is I put it over what I'm normally wearing, okay. and it's too much. I have a, you know, my merino wool, and then I'll have a. Uh, Hincappy winter jersey, okay, and that's plenty. And then I put a Gore-Tex jacket over it, and it's too much. <clears throat> I really like to have a vest. Actually, you'll almost always only see me in a vest, no okay. matter how cold it is. Okay, because uh, a vest I can, you can easily yeah. control what's yeah. on my arms, mm-hmm. and uh, you just want to keep your core. And then keith will tease me all the time i'll start with the vest but it's not five ten miles in i'm stuff is opening up yeah (laughs) um what's something you would tell a a new rider someone who's like they've just gotten their first road bike what's Uh, something you would you would want to tell had this conversation yesterday i sold a sold my neighbor's bike for him okay um and uh, to a young young girl so we talked about Mm -hmm. um you know bike maintenance a little bit Mm -hmm. you know don't leave your bike in the rain she needed a new bike her last one had gotten stolen so we talked a little bit about that i just uh i she's not going to clip in but i talked about clipping in one Mm -hmm. side the other um find local people to ride with yeah you know that's the the best thing is Mm -hmm. you know there's cyclists are interesting (laughs) <laughs> there's really there's not many boring cyclists even mm-hmm. even in the political world you know we all have our different political views of the world mm-hmm. but cycling is a common thing to talk about so talk yeah. about that and then ask questions about it so uh, true so i just uh, i just say be curious okay okay all right um yeah and i suppose that would that would help you know they'll they'll, they'll go out they'll learn new things meet new people right um particularly and then do this healthy thing more often because they've met more people who do this this thing kind of yeah thing. there's two groups of people there you know m- most of the people i ride with have ridden all their life mm-hmm. and raced before okay um and so that 
is a whole different experience. That, that cyclist is, um, they know what they're doing. They don't need to talk about it. Yeah. So it almost seems like the fastest pace people might be standoffish. And it's not that they're standoffish, but they're just set. Yeah. Right. When you start the way I started, Mm -hmm. you know, you need people to help you. You need to ask questions. You need to talk about things. So that, and, uh, and so I've talked to a lot of people I ride with and always, you know, my buddy Dave Elliott was supposed to leave tomorrow morning. He was going to uh, Kyrkivak, Ukraine. Okay. And they pulled the plug the last minute. That would have just, I would have never gotten sleep yeah. if that was his six week right. assignment. Yeah. But he's, he's, you know, fascinating character. Talk yeah. about something. So it, uh, it's just something that maybe it's about the, the risk of the sport. Maybe it's okay. something about the exercise. I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. but there's another study for you. Why are cyclists <laughs> so interesting? Because they all are. <laughs> it's something, it's something about the sport that pulls into interest. Yeah, interesting absolutely. People. Um, but uh jan i i jan um <laughs> jan, if you know the story now um, um uh i'd like to, to to thank you for for sharing your experiences of cycling absolutely um, you know sharing that with other people and telling them right. things like that's great um and yeah i appreciate your time and i appreciate you you coming on in, in oh this was here. great i i enjoy your podcast we talked a little before mm-hmm. i'm trying to figure out how many people listen to it because it's a commitment <laughs> of time but it's also you know, I can learn about someone. It might take me a thousand miles to mm-hmm. learn that same stuff about somebody yeah. that I pick up. I go into the wood shop, I put mm-hmm. in my ear pods and uh, say, huh, well, that's pretty interesting. And mm-hmm. it reinforces what I said. You know, cyclists are interesting people. <laughs> I, I'm glad you had a chance and enjoy it. And uh, there, are, there are many more podcasts that are actually recorded that need to be published. Mm-hmm. Um, so there'll be more episodes. Okay, so. it'll keep me in the shop. Thank you. <laughs>